Hey y'all, I'm Mace Kerwick, and this is Queer Town. Since launching this show earlier this year, we've sat down with several queer Austinites to get a perspective on the ever-changing city we call home. And today, for our final guest interview of our first season, I'm sitting down with one of my favorite people to get an outsider's perspective on Austin, Texas. My guest's name is Lee Robinson. They're a Denver-based stand-up comedian, writer, and co-creator of the popular queer variety show Dyketopia. Lee is also my best friend of nearly 10 years. I had been doing improv and then I got into stand-up, you know, four years ago at this point. And it has been like my, from the depths of my soul, like I want queer comedy. Like I want something, whether I'm doing it or I'm participating in it. Like since I started, it was a like a deep craving. I was able to catch up with Lee while they were staying with me recently, and we recorded an intimate chat that admittedly happened on my living room floor while my cats were circling around us begging for attention. And yet, we were still able to touch upon a wide range of juicy topics, like our first job together out of college, what keeps us coming back to the stage as comedians, and one very chaotic night that neither of us seemed to fully remember. This episode has it all, just like Lee. Welcome to Queer Town. A little edible, a little wine. Do you hear that? Uh oh, I just started recording. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing any drugs or any sort of drinking. This is just us and our pure, unadulterated state. Daddy, I swear I'm a good boy. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't put that on there for free. <laughs> yeah. You should put that behind a paywall. Yeah. Uh, I really should have. And yet, I'm a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, hmm. Lee, welcome to the Queer Town Clubhouse. Feels really good to be here. Thanks for having me. This it feels house. yeah. It feels great to have you here. It's a natural step. So y'all already know this because I already introed Lee at the start of this episode. But Lee is my best friend, and it's so exciting to have you on my show, Queer Town, because you have a show, Dyktopia, that kicked off about a year ago, and it's rocking and rolling. <laughs> That's actually our tagline, Dyktopia, rocking and rolling. <laughs> In the Mile High City, baby. In Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado. Yeah, the show is, man, it's such a blast. So I, love it. I, I definitely want to talk about Dyktopia, but first and foremost, I want to talk about why you are here in Austin, Texas, which is to go to a bachelorette party. <sighs> are you really going to tell them that? <laughs> like, it literally feels like such a sin, you know? It is fascinating insight because I think that like queer town as a collective, we're not anti bachelorette party. Like mm. I definitely appreciate the economic uh, boost that <laughs> uh, these like random women give to my hometown. Truly <laughs> random women coming in. I, I will take it, but it is sort of like a, like an easy joke to make yeah. about like, things that bachelorette parties do in places that they go to. Mm -hmm. And here you are one of my favorite people and <laughs> you are somehow I'm perpetuating the system. You have somehow found yourself in the midst of one of these bachelorette parties. <laughs> you know, like my life has gotten increasingly more queer 
and especially with the pandemic, like I feel like mm, 90% of the people on a daily basis, besides people I had to interact with for work were queer. And then I had a couple strongholds and this is one of my strongholds. Amanda, I love you enough to come on a bachelorette party and here I am <laughs> ready to reintegrate myself into the world of straight people, straight cis people. What prep work have you done for this really bold uh, voyage mm -hmm. that you're going on? Well, I've been journaling. Um, mm -hmm. I've been journaling and I've been really trying to get centered. Um, I've been looking at the, the decorations on my wall, you know, live, laugh, love. And I've been really trying to embody that for the weekend, you know. That, those are important things. They're important things, and I think we take them for granted. And, you know, I just really want to be present in the moment on the weekend. You know? Because and being present is, in fact, the present. <laughs> well, okay, so listen to this. Like, <laughs> there's, um, of course, ceremonially, um, a lingerie gifting un and unwrapping part mm -hmm. of the weekend. And... I ordered something from Savage X Fenty, as we do. And this is going to probably come out later than the weekend. So, like, I can go ahead and spill the beans. I got, like, oh, yeah. this, like, sexy red kind of bra, like, but it all had, like, billowy sleeves, kind of gay. Um, amazing, like, thong set. And then I got, like, uh, like a crop. <laughs> and I remember I was checking out and Sophie was like, you're really going to get that for me? I was like, fuck yeah. Someone's got to get something a little interesting but the delivery didn't come in time. Um, so I have to draw a photo and have her unwrap it. It's going to be so weird. But I'm like, of course, like the queer person is like not, not bringing the gift for the weekend. I'm like, I'm just going to be here vibing, you know. I think that's all we can do as queer people right now is vibe. Yeah, that's all, that's all I have. So, yeah, I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be a good weekend. Uh, I think it's going to be great. I haven't been, I haven't really been immersed in straight culture in a minute. So it's always an adjustment. I'm trying to think of the last time I was like very intentionally in the midst of straight culture for days at a time. Mm. Cause like, that's like, I think the unique thing here, it's not just like a multi-hour field trip. Like right. this is like a weekend yeah. and it's like very specifically tethered to this straight experience. Yeah. Which is so odd because like a couple years ago, I'd have been like, that sounds, you sound like unhinged. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, but my perspective really has changed so much. And like, you know, I had a getaway weekend for a friend's birthday last fall and it was mostly straight people. And, you know, I mean, in a very real way, like as I was telling you earlier today, I was getting the girlies treatment. It was like, let's go girls. And I'm like, oh, mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. you know, so there is just a part of, the acceptance and um, just kind of baseline expectations of respect that I receive in a queer community and queer gatherings that like just aren't even a consideration set for straight people. They don't even know to interact, like how to interact with me. And I think it's just like, um, this is real. It's, it's so real. real. Yeah. So I have a really interesting example for you. So I uh, have started freelance producing again and mm -hmm. it's really exciting. And yes, you have. part of the like interesting aspect is that whenever I get on a new call with someone, it's always like, hey, I'm Mace, like whatever. But uh, this like group that I'm working with right now, my Zoom name is Mason. It's my full name. And so I was literally having a conversation with the only other queer person on this call. And she was like, yeah, like I like 
see that you've been introducing yourself as Mace. I just want to like know what I should be calling you. And we had this like whole dialogue where I like use the line that I use all the time where I'm like, yeah, like you can call me Mason, but like only if it's like in a sexual way or I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. But like, otherwise it's Mace. Yeah. And like, yeah. that's my preference. And then immediately this like straight guy who hadn't been on like the call for that conversation hops on. He's like, Hey Mason. <laughs> <laughs> oh and you guys were exchanging looks i'm sure yeah it, you and the queer person me no. and the queer person you and yeah the guy and like oh yeah me and the guy no not at all <laughs> you're like mason mm. Mm, who's that sexy mason over there <laughs> so you recently somewhat recently i suppose had a name change oh yeah and it's like somewhat connected but is entirely new and I think feels so much more you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What have your thoughts been with really proactively creating that change in your own life? Oh, it's been awesome. It's been great. Like my old name. I mean, it was like the equivalent of like <laughs> an old maid's name from like the 18, <laughs> early 1800s, you know, and like try walking around the world with that, but like looking like I do, you know, like, I think my hair is like the longest it's ever been, but like having my old name with like a short haircut, like it's just such a disconnect. It was not a fit for me whatsoever. And you know, it always been kind of a lingering thought in my head. Like mm -hmm. if I change my name, how could I move through the world differently? How would I feel about myself? Um, and I had considered a new name for like a couple years before I like finally, you know, pulled the trigger because it's kind of, I think there's pressure, you know, it's not real pressure. I mean, it, it is real, but it's like within queer circles, like you kind of like, you have to be sure about yeah. your labels that you use or um, the way that you publicly identify, you know. Okay, we're going again. I'm sorry, we were interrupted by my straight neighbor. It's a hate crime. <laughs> 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 he's great if you listen to my podcast i don't know why you would but thank you for listening uh, but you did interrupt our session rude i'm sorry where were we where were we you're talking about how freeing it is to have <laughs> <laughs> i was just like getting into it you know um i will say that i think that queer people are so much easier with like easy pivots yeah. Right. It's like I could just Absolutely. tell my coworker, like, this is what's up, like, boom. Like, they know for the rest of our time interacting together, like, how to talk to me, mm -hmm. how to address me. Totally. And I feel like with straight people, there's such a, and we've talked about this before, but it always feels like to me when I'm like talking about pronouns or preferred names or whatever it is. It's like I'm asking them to chug milk in front of me. That's oh the expression they give me. It's like, oh, no, you're, you're not really going to ask me to do that, are you? It's going to be really hard for me. I'm going to try. I'm definitely going to mess up. But, but like, like I just, I need to chug the whole fucking carton. I don't know how I'm going to do it. It's like, literally, okay, here's my, here's my new theory, um, for better or worse. Like, whenever someone tells me that they can't like adapt well or are going to struggle with like a new pronoun change or a new name even outside of my own experiences like if I'm talking about a friend to a straight person or like anything like that like or if I like I was misgendered quite a bit a couple weeks ago my perspective on it is like 
wow, you're really fucking stupid. <laughs> you're embarrassing yourself that you truly like cannot pivot because I do it all the time. Like I truly believe like if my friend came to me, if my friend came to me every single week, you know, or even day, like as people do, I'm going to try this name. I'm going to try these pronouns. You know? Yeah, I got you. I absolutely got you. That's not really the typical reality, but like it was mm. a big consideration for me when I changed my name of like, what if this is wrong? What if I decide I don't like this name? What if this name isn't the best name? Mm. And I listened to a podcast at the time and I remember someone on there saying like, the name that you're going to pick next is going to be better than the name you have now. And that is enough. Well, and there's also a very real aspect of trying something. Yeah. I, I think to me, it was such a gift when you opened up to me. I remember we were in Oklahoma City we're in Oklahoma. and we were doing our little writer's retreat. Oh my God. And we were on that walk and you opened up to me about it and it yeah. felt like this hallmark moment to me. Mm. And it's like interesting to give it that connotation, but it just felt like this is like a like a special moment mm. with like me and this person who I just love and cherish and you invited me in. Yeah. And I wish that more people were able to frame things that way Yeah. of like, what does this actually mean to you, the recipient of this news? Cause it's yeah. really about the person who's talking. Yeah. And it, it's just like to be met with such openness and, interest versus kind of like the classic trope of like oh no like this is going to be hard for me or yeah. you know, whatever and like what if can we meet people with support and mm. excitement and interest mm. like because it's so interesting it's so interesting it's like ooh, tell me more about what's going on with you or your journey like how did you land on the name like there's so many interesting things there that i think people shortcut because we're worried about not getting it right you know, and that's like all parts of humanity. It's like someone has, you know, something, you know, bad happen. And you're like, oh, I don't want to like say the wrong thing because I might say it wrong. And it's like, no, reach out. Like it's going to matter more that you reached out, you know, even if you might not get it right. And there's so many parts of, of life where we just are afraid of being wrong. And yeah. it's like, this is one, but like, what would happen? What could you unlock if you try? And like that for the name, that was it for me. Of like, what, how happy could I be with this new, new name? And I'm so much happier. I love it. It's well, such a fit. I remember it was a few years ago and I was really, at that point in time, I felt very confident with he, they. Mm. And it's interesting because I've since, I don't want to say gone back, but I've gone mm -hmm. in a different direction, mm -hmm. which is he, him. Mm -hmm. And the people that I opened up to about that, it felt better somehow when they had questions when they mm. actually wanted to engage in a dialogue around it mm -hmm. and I, I don't know there's like certain people in my life like I'm thinking of a lot of straight former co-workers mm. now who they didn't know how to talk about queerness they n never felt comfortable mentioning the name of this show oh my god it's like you can say it it's called queer town that's not what? derogatory to literally talk about the name of the show i've worked on for five years now <laughs> same with Ectopia. people are like i'll be like they're like what do you want me to introduce you with and i'm like oh this that Dictopia. like oh i can't say that i'm like yeah yeah you can it's okay yeah it's the name of the show you know 
Ugh. I mean, it'd be one thing if someone was like, wow, you're such a freaking dyketopia. <laughs> that'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that would be fucking hysterical. You're such a dyketopia. <laughs> like that, I'm like, that's still such a compliment. It feels but, yeah. like, uh, um, like someone who's trying to hit on you at a club and doesn't mm. know what to say and is like fumbling and is like, yeah, can I have your number? You're, you're such a dyketopia. <laughs> I really love the vibe you're putting out. You're kind of like my little Dyktopia. <laughs> my little Dyktopia. Slide into slide in my DMs, please. <laughs> um, I will say it is amazing all of the things that you and I share. Yeah. We went to the same college. We have the same degree. Yep. Like we, both, we both have uh, BJs. We both have BJs. Bachelor of Journalisms. MIC. I will not finish the <laughs> That's okay. Okay. That's okay. Um, but we also <laughs> drove a <laughs> giant peanut around the country. Yep. <laughs> yep. Thank you, planters, for giving me money at a time when I had no money. Thank you, Mr. Peanut, for making sure that my life was a little nuttier. <laughs> Will you share with the listeners what your peanutter name was? Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, mine it, too. Yeah. So I, okay, like, I guess to like take a step back, quick, invite quick other context. people into yeah. this conversation. So Lee and I both drove the Planters Nutmobile, which at the time was a sister program of the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was something that I did for a full year. You did it for... Y'all, I didn't get the job. <laughs> like I was on B team for the Planters <laughs> Nutmobile, and the Planters Nutmobile was B team for the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. It was. It really felt like the second cousins who were invited to like the family reunion. Yeah, and ev and everyone was like, "No, you guys are just as good." And we're like, "We know we're B string. We know." Um, but yeah. so I didn't get the job, and so then I lived. Uh, I worked you in Colombia. <laughs> I barely lived. I was like, "This was my only plan after college." Um, I lived in the small town we went to college in for like three months. Then I moved to Dallas for like three months. Um, and lived yeehaw. Like, yeehaw, yeah. Texas connection. Uh, and then, yeah, I got the call. Someone had quit. And they were like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, fuck yeah, let's ride. So I did it for about seven months. And it was really fucking awesome. I am <laughs> okay. so good that you did it. I, I know. I just remember when our manager called me and he was like, hey, is it cool if Lee like gets this offer? Cause I know y'all are such good friends. And I very naively was like, yes, because I thought that we were going to be paired together. That would have been incredible. That would have been so dangerous. Oh my God. <laughs> we wouldn't have livers anymore. We would have been drinking around. Like we would have. Okay. Carry on. Yeah. Carry on. Um, well, yeah, that uh, job is so hysterical in retrospect because I, over the course of my year with the Nutmobile, I went to 32 states and I distinctly remember being like very like interested in dating apps because I don't think like mm. dating apps were like that um, just because of the demographics of mid-Missouri where we went right. to college. I don't think like they were that bumping at the time. Right. I guess I'd be curious to see what they're like now. Um, probably more of a, like an active user base, but like Grinder, I remember at the time there would be like eight profiles in downtown Columbia, and then immediately like the ninth profile would be like twenty miles away. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. But long story short, I just remember going on like a lot of dates, and I had that goal that year. It was 
because it's 2015, so it was 15 and 15. Right. Which seems so tame now. Yeah, was it 15 dates? 15 makeouts. Oh, 15 makeouts. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's like nothing. I know. <laughs> but I do remember the time. I was like, oh, that's so crazy. It felt very... Um, but I was in a monogamous relation at the you time. You were. Too. You were. Yeah, it felt very like I'm like Sandy at the end of Greece, and like I'm making out with people. <laughs> I'm being naughty. Okay, more context, though. More context. Basically, you drove this giant peanut, 27 feet long. You did not live in it. You lived in hotels. Yeah, everyone always asks if we lived in it, and I, like, come on, y'all. You know me. I <laughs> need a little bit of luxury. The luxury that was the Holiday Inn Express. Oh, yeah, it was always, like, two to three-star hotels. Because we had to pitch ourselves to get a lower hotel rate. We had, like, a rate yeah. we had to negotiate, we had so we had to be, like, you know, this giant nut's going to be parked <laughs> in your parking lot and we'll do an event. Like I did an event in Miami where we, so, so you're, you're also driving the nutmobile with two other people also yep. freshly out of college. Yep. And there's three of you in the nutmobile versus only two in the wienermobile because one of you pretty much at every single event that you do has to be dressed up as Mr. Peanut. But we couldn't say that. We we had like a like a PR phrase. It was we would wear the shoes of an American icon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you couldn't like this was the most unhinged part that you couldn't say anything about the gender of the person inside the suit. Yeah. You also couldn't talk inside the suit because at the time, Bill Hader was the voice of Mr. Peanut. Right. And we obviously do not sound like Bill Hader. So it was like, that was very odd because like little kids would be scared. And so like intuitively I would want to comfort them, but there's like no way that you can comfort someone when you're dressed up as a mascot. You're literally eight foot tall peanut with a monocle on like that's fucking terrifying yeah and so people you know what we would we always had these like little phrases people would like ask you know it's always like like 45 year old moms were like is it a boy mr peanut or a girl mr peanut and we'd always just be like mr peanut is mr peanut and it was yes. just unhinged <laughs> Well, people behavior. were so deeply fascinated by the gender of the person inside there. They would like squeeze your hand and like look at your feet to quote unquote yeah. try to figure it out. Oh, I know. But I know. I figured it out. Yeah, I know who's in there. And then it was always wrong. Of course. It was always wrong. I, I, God, I just remember there was this one event where I, we were in New Jersey. Of course it was New mm-hmm. Jersey. And, uh, we were like outside of some grocery store doing like the typical meet and greet. We were and always outside of grocery stores. That was like the gig. That was the bulk of it. I mean, there were some like fun sparkly some, events, yeah. but like the Hilton majority. Head, yeah. The Hilton Head Wings Festival for oh, me. Oh, was that was that your <laughs> big event? Um, we had like maybe two other cool ones. But what yeah. What's a wings festival? Like chicken it was wings? Just different types of wings. Exactly. Wow. And I got to wear a a chicken wing hat on my head. Oh, that is fun. It was, I mean, it was really beautiful there, but it was beautiful. Yeah. The Hilton Head was gorgeous, but, uh, where is it? South Carolina. Oh, okay. So, and the wings were good, but yeah. Wait, what was the best wing that you had? Do you remember? No. Yeah. That makes sense. Nope. I don't. Did you ever have a boiled peanut? 
Yes, I did. Because like that was sort of like a like a naughty little indulgence that I discovered because I was in <laughs> naughty. I, I was in I was East Coast for like the first half of the year, right. which is harvest season for peanuts. Mm. And so I worked all of these peanut festivals. Yeah, those and were big. I remember like the growers of peanuts are so like morally opposed to boiled peanuts. They're like, that's the easiest way to mess up a peanut. No, wait, wait I had no idea. And I also yeah. just forgot for a second that we drove a giant peanut. So I was like, <laughs> I, I just kind of thought you were talking about like little snacks in the South. And, and then I realized, oh, realized, no, oh, no, planters, yeah. right, right, right. Well, this, like, the peanut festivals literally lead to the coolest story of my life. You know this, but I just need to brag for yes, a second. I was going to ask had about this. dinner with Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Oh it is God. like what? the most insane thing that has ever happened to me. Uh, wow. It was a very like intimate dinner. There were like 20 people there and the then president of planters was supposed to go, but he wasn't able to go because of some travel issues. And we were already in the area and like the planters higher ups were like, oh, let's just send the peanutters. And so we went and like we have photos of like, Jimmy Carter, I think this was a week before his 90th birthday. So it was like almost 90-year-old Jimmy Carter with like <laughs> the Nutmobile. <laughs> Literally incredible. <laughs> like it, what? What? Yeah, Period. It, it, it like boggles my mind to this day. Will I ever have dinner with another president? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Like I think that's it mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. And I feel great with that. Yeah. You had your moment, and it's really <laughs> funny. At a peanut festival in wow. Plains, Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, so we never got to our names, which was the whole oh, original right. start. Yeah, we, we were like, we need to give a little context. About and there was a this. lot of context. There's a lot. There's a lot. Um, yeah, what was your... So everyone had a peanutter name. Yeah, and the idea, right, is that we were a PR firm on wheels. So we'd go into oh a city, and we would, like, pitch ourselves. And, like, I got, like, a lot of media hits, as did you. And the idea is that we wouldn't be Mace Kerwick. I was instead Monocle Mace. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. And mine was Lil Salty. <laughs> <laughs> Which, honestly, I think you could still go by. Yeah. I kind of like a little bit evergreen. Yeah. I, monocle Mace. Well, because Mr. Peanut has a monocle. Right, right, right. And I wear glasses. And I had circular glasses at the time. So I was like, oh, I'm wearing two monocles. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> well, my backup name was Trail Mix Mace, which is still bad, but it's somehow better. No, that's definitely objectively worse. <laughs> Trail Mix Mace. <laughs> that's just how lesbians introduce themselves at the picnic. <laughs> Hi, I'm Trail Mix Mace. Nice to meet you. I brought the Trail Mix. <laughs> so, okay, if we were to rebrand my peanutter name all these years later, what would it be? Well, you have to have the alliteration. You, you have, have to have, have the you end. have to have the like, yeah. Because I remember like I had like Tasty Tay as a partner. Mm -hmm. Oh man, what were any other? I can't remember any other I, people's yeah. names. Should we send a group chat in the group me? SOS. There's like very dead group me. <laughs> the group me hasn't had any activity for five years. <laughs> Please chime in. Um, what was Meg's? Oh, she was <laughs> not Meg. Oh, it's so dumb. <laughs> oh, there's, sorry, I found it. The group me, wieners and nuts. Wieners and nuts. Peens and weens. Peens and weens. Um, 
<laughs> okay, now I'm getting into hot doggers because we were like friends with the Wiener Wienermobil- <laughs> I'm sorry, can you say this word? <laughs> we were friends with the Wienermobile drivers, which were called hot doggers, and we were peanutters. We were peanutters. We were um, perky little peanutters. Uh huh. Um, was Tom's nom nom Tom? Somehow it was, and that feels kind of crazy. Yeah, that that was in retrospect. Yeah. That that, but it's good. It's memorable. It is okay. Jess was Jess cooking, mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least that's her name here. I think that was it. Yeah, Jess cooking. My name is oh yeah, Lil Salty's on here. I can't change my name on the group me overall, so it's I'm literally Lil Salty for literally all of my group chats, all of which are <laughs> defunct. No. Um. Yeah, Liz Legume. That was my partner in crime. Oh, yeah, Lizzie Legume. Lizzie Legume. Yeah. So what's funny about this is that um, Planters has been bought by Hormel. Yeah. Hormel owns Justin's peanut butter, nut butter. Really? And, yeah, so I think they're just expanding their peanut empire. Ah. And the future of the Nutmobile program is in question. It's in flux. Is it happening? Is it not happening? I think that they're trying to keep it going. Are they? Are they? Yeah. Damn. I, I think they're only doing one vehicle. Versus there's, the the three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because there's three Nutmobile vehicles. You cannot say mm-hmm. Nutmobiles. <laughs> <laughs> All the stupid things they trained us on that just like live in my brain. Yeah, I will say that that experience very uniquely prepared me to go into commercial production because I think narrative production, it's like whatever, but the specificity with how you could talk w- about the Nutmobile, I think is like very emblematic of agency culture. Yeah, so true. It's like people, like if you're working on a brand, like you are 100% like embodying that brand. You're bringing it to life. You like understand their values, their core beliefs. And like we had to do that in front of an external audience. And I think like as a producer, it's actually been highly advantageous yeah. to be like, okay, like all I have to do is like, talk like i fully know and support the brand and it's really gonna help me understand like the lighting and the composition because it's like i'm literally like recreating brand standards that already exist but Mm. oftentimes with crew members who haven't worked with that brand before so interesting it's fascinating so would you say it was the best possible job for you right out of college uh, for me, yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's because I did not know who I was until I was 28. <laughs> um, retweet. <laughs> and for me, I think if I had gone right into an office job, which you effectively did mm-hmm. at that job in Horrible. Korea. Horrible. I, I think it would have been very challenging because the Nutmobile, as silly as it was, it gave me an opportunity to have this sort of gap year in a way. Totally. I was still paid. I still got great experience, but I didn't have have like the long-term implications of like seemingly always and forever working for that company like I had a set contract and I loved that yeah one year well and like I don't know about you but like I really I hadn't gotten to travel before I did it yeah and that was like really awesome I mean I grew up in Missouri you know didn't get out hardly at all like it was my first time ever going to New York City fell in love uh, as we do as we do and it helped me, you know, I ended up moving to, to Colorado right after the Nutmobile. 
uh, well, after a three-month stint in my mom's house. Yay, yay, yay. Wait, um, what was the dog's name? <laughs> oh, Georgia. Georgia. Georgia Still, was your saving grace. Literally, that dog was the only thing keeping me there. You know what I mean? Not to be dark. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> No, I, well, because you had also very no, tragically. No, no, don't. <laughs> we have no. to. We have to. <laughs> oh, no, no. All right, so fine. It fine. was. It was our final night with the mobile. Oh, I didn't. I thought you were talking about how I started an Instagram account for the dog. Okay, this is actually a worse. This is <laughs> this is a worse story. This is I, a worse story. I had forgotten about that detail. But thank I, you so I was like, much. I was like, wow, it's crazy that you latched onto this. But yeah, okay, okay, no, 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 no. no Go on with this. The horrible story. About only, I was about to talk about <laughs> Georgia's Instagram account. <laughs> no, um. Literally, it's the final night of the Nutmobile program. We are being, like, <laughs> shipped out, like, the next day. Unceremoniously no, dumped unceremoniously, off to the, like, the, the steps of the real world. Yeah. yeah, it's Logan's run. We have turned 27. We are being... God, this, like, reference goes over your head. Of course it does, but I'm supportive. <laughs> Thank you. So this is a movie in the 70s, Logan's run, where you turn 27 and you die. <gasps> oh, boy. It's not very good. But Farrah Fawcett's in it. Well, that's hot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyways... it. Lee was basically Farrah Fawcett that night, mm. and we were uh, at, I think we were doing a bar crawl in yes. downtown Madison. With Wisconsin. our bosses. With our bosses. It was so much fun. Yeah. And Lee uh, was... I got overserved. Grooving to <laughs> a song that we've all heard before okay, let me, called let me set Soldier this up. Boy. <laughs> let me set this up a little more. <laughs> we had been drinking for hours. Like, we had been drinking, then we were at our bosses, bosses, bosses fucking brownstone in chicago and that was the night before it doesn't before oh that wasn't before yeah you're blending nights <laughs> no that was the night no that was totally the night because no it happened in wisconsin and i only oh, remember you're that right you're right you're because right because right. wait right we had those photos the next day for you because like you didn't start with us right and so we had to like retake our photos and i think it was like in jeopardy whether or not you no that wasn't right that's not right no because like we took the photos i don't remember when we took them oh, but like was it the day we took the photos and then we went out that night i think it might have been because okay, yeah, here's yeah. here's how i remember the night okay we go we drink then we go to to what's his name's house and he had this amazing amazing um michael's house I didn't. I Michael. didn't know if I was like gonna breach confidentiality. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Edit that out. Um, whatever his name is, I tried to think of another male M name. Mark. We're in Mark's house. Our boss's boss's boss. Yeah. And we were on this rooftop, and it was gorgeous. And I was like, I can't even imagine being this wealthy. Like I knew he owned the home, and yeah, and like. You know, for a little extra context, like I was moving home with the parents. I didn't have a job. Oh, Half of the people yeah. were like, oh, I'm doing this and I'm going here. And I was like, oh, God, like I got to go move in with my mom and keep Gerardo I mean, with that's no like job. The amazing thing. I'm actually kind of glad we're talking about this in context to Queer Town because I have to be honest, y'all. Like I didn't move back to Austin necessarily out of elation mm. like i'm so glad i moved back here like 100 yeah. percent was the right thing for me but i truly thought i was just going to be coming back here while i applied for jobs mm. elsewhere oh, and then yeah. i got that pr job here yeah and then the rest is history wow. as they say 
But yeah, it, it's really interesting in this conversation to sort of unpack that with you. Because it's such a, it's, yeah, it's like they kind of expun, expel you into life, you know? Yeah. It's like, it, okay, go on, you know, you've yeah. known this is coming and you could prepare for this. And yet at the same time, you couldn't really prepare for it. It was hard to because we had worked a very specific job. Yeah. And we like weren't in an office. Mm -hmm. And so it was like a little tricky to like figure out what the next move was going to be because not and where yeah, there was too many options. Cause whatever followed was not going to be driving another peanut. Yeah. And I, you couldn't pay me to do that. <laughs> not anymore. Mm -mm. But like, yeah, I was like, this is rough. And so we're drinking, we're drinking at this guy's house and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't, I like, it just got out of hand. And then we went think, to this like tea house or something. Yeah. I think what it was is that all of our drinks were covered for us that night. Yeah. And yeah. that was like such a novelty. Totally. At least for me at that age, mm -hmm. like I just wasn't used to being like pampered in yeah. that way. So it's like free. There's a cooler free, nice drink. And I remember I was drinking a lot of old fashions <gasps> because that was my like drink of the moment. Yeah. And like, they're so great, but they're also so strong. Totally. And like 23 year old Mace was like not equipped to be like, okay, yeah, I can just sip this. I, no. but no, we were throwing it back like the shitty gin and tonics we drank in college. No, exactly. And it was, um, it was a rough night. But now that you, now that we're talking about it, you're right. We were in Wisconsin. What? Oh, no, no, no. That night, the night that I'm discussing, oh my God, was I just a total shit show? So, I remember, so. was that the night we were headed back to the Rosemont Holiday Inn <laughs> and I, we were in line at the McDonald's and I threw up out the car? Was that me or was that you? That was you. That was, you. <laughs> okay, that was definitely me. Okay, cool, cool. So I, yeah, yeah, you had way too much to drink. And I remember. So sorry. We were staying at this like, whatever hotel that was like i don't know maybe like 20 30 years old at that point mm -hmm. and we like yeah go to make this mcdonald's i'd totally forgotten about that and <laughs> you like threw up out the door yeah. i remember the driver like looked back he's just like this like typical poor, chicago dude poor man like are you fucking kidding me yeah and yeah. in that moment i was like oh it's okay like they threw up outside the vehicle and it was like <laughs> he did not care like he, he, he did not care. He care even though that mcdonald's was right next to the hotel it was it was um, uh we were very close and i also think that mcdonald's would not let us in so the embarrassing part <laughs> is we just had to like walk our asses next door <laughs> so bad. but it was the next day yeah, when we were when we like to wisconsin yeah, but like on the way, we had to stop so that you could throw. Uh huh. Yeah, wasn't our boss driving? Us? Yeah, our boss was driving us. It was just the three of us. Why? Why did we not have a ride? Uh, why were we with? <laughs> also, the night before when we were drinking, like we're with his boss. Yeah. And I remember he, he he knew I was getting drunk, but like again, he was an adult and I was essentially a child. And he goes, he goes, don't fuck this up in front of him. <laughs> for me because i was so drunk and i'm like oh. sir you're the grown man getting a bunch of children fresh out of college mm. drunk with your boss like this is on you so this is hilarious to hear all these years later <laughs> right because we're like literally on like the outskirts of suburban suburban chicago and lee is like oh i'm not feeling so okay good. all right and like I, it's like we like pull over and I remember you like crawled over yes. this like concrete structure Therapy because thing. it's like they were doing highway construction. So it wasn't like the regular thing. So you <laughs> like hobble over this thing yeah. and you like duck down, you yeah. like give yourself some privacy. And I turned to our boss and <laughs> this is like 
the most unconvincing thing I've ever said. I go, yeah, I, I think <laughs> Lee like ate something weird last night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember you telling me that. I'm like, what a homie. Even though everyone knows what everyone happened. Everyone knew, yeah. Well, he was being so weird. He was like, I was like asking to pull over. He's like, what? Come on. Yeah, it's like he wanted to hear verbatim from like, your I lips. Like, I need to throw up because I'm hungover. And I'm like, uh, what a fucking weirdo. And honestly, Brian, I don't care if you hear this. <laughs> You're a little <laughs> bitch. <laughs> um, maybe, Mace, if you want to edit that out for the tone of your podcast, that's fine. Maybe. But I do, in this moment, want to say, <laughs> I still think it's so funny that he invited a first date to, like, our peanutter graduation boat cruise i mean you weren't there for this but it was so funny because like this woman had clearly never met him before unbelievable <laughs> that's Messy. weird he was Messy. weird um but no i remember brian was like he was being so weird about me needing to throw up and then i just i just couldn't take it so i had to hide myself behind this little barrier and then i don't think I you don't created think a boundary in that yeah. moment yeah uh, but then, okay, let's fast forward to that night. Wow, yeah. I was really a wreck. I was... Um, I think we all were. We were all I wrecked. think we were going through a breakup. Kinda. We were breaking up with Mr. Peanut. No, horrifying, <laughs> horrifying. Well, it was just, it was a weird dynamic because like so many people, like I remember like Joey's like, I'm going to Snapchat. Like I'm going to go work here. Yeah, there were people who had lined up jobs had already. Had lined up stuff. And, and it, it felt definitely felt like, like we were playing like dodgeball. Yeah. And it was like... Oh, like I hadn't been selected. Yeah, yeah. And like I had to like pack up my bags and go home. Like mm -hmm. they paid for the flight home, which is very cool. But it was like I was going home like for this like indeterminate thing. And yeah, I don't know about yeah. you, but I like placed way too much like Definitely. value on that. Like Definitely. we should have like taken that free plane ride and like gone to New York or like Literally. LA or like just like had a trip we had nothing but had instead nothing. we were like okay like head down like we're going back Gotta home get a job. yeah yeah and I'm like well I mean it's also like you know you look back and it's like well I had literally no money and no prospects at the time and like yeah my support you know system was obviously like my parents in Missouri but like at that time like I had come out to them like a year before and it was like a really hostile environment to be in yeah it was a little tricky at and point. so we i've realized we still haven't even got to the story which really adds the layer of like <laughs> why it was so depressing to be in missouri but i'll let you take it from here because you sure? remember it <laughs> so okay thank you for sticking with us i promise this is worth it mm -hmm. so if i'm remembering contextually the new peanutters had flown in and we're like introducing them to like the sights and sounds of Madison, of Madison, Wisconsin. And I want to say this is the case where we're like showing them around. We're having a great time. And we're on a bar crawl. We're on a bar crawl mm -hmm. and we're dancing to Soldier Boy. And Lee goes down literally I, while I cranking slipped. it. I slipped in a puddle while cranking <laughs> that soldier boy. And it was something Ooh. where <laughs> going down. Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember like laughing because it was so funny. So it was funny. like, it was like 2005 Seth Rogen style humor. It was like mm. so physical. It was so like, like a full banana peel fall. Yeah. yeah. And I like 
there was like no way in my mind that you had hurt yourself. No. And yet we later found out that you tore your ACL. <laughs> I tore my fucking ACL, y'all. <laughs> and I remember Spencer, this like tall six foot plus guy who is uh, like on the team. Well, he, he's this like big teddy bear of a guy. He, he grabbed me under my armpits, picked me up to like plop me back on my feet. And I was crying. I was in so much pain. Yeah. And I will never forget that visual because it was really hard to figure out what was going on with like your body and your mind at that point Yeah, because it was so funny. And it's like, we all, I think just like, like fell down on the floor. Cause like, I think you went back down and you were like laughing, but then you're like, ow, 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 you guys, you guys. No, I, I was, I remember laughing. Cause I was like, this is hysterical that whatever the fuck is happening is happening to me. But I was also in a lot of pain but I was also extremely drunk. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a lot going on at once. Four, four of the guys like carried me out, like, like royally, and they were—I can't remember—they were like, "Khaleesi," because I was like crying, and they were trying to make <laughs> me feel better. And then, you know, yeah, the rest is history. I had to get on a plane to Missouri the next day, where I then got such subpar medical care that I didn't know I had a torn ACL until three months later. That is the insane part to me. Insane. Because I remember we were doing like our little like check-ins with each other. It's like, how's like life back yeah. home? Yeah. And it was a lot of like Lee on the couch with Georgia being like, it's like so weird, but I'm like still in so much pain. Yeah. It was really, you know, you don't know what you're missing until you, you know, move to a place like Colorado and like actually have good health care and like have a little bit of money to pay for a copay you know i i had no idea how bad the care i've gotten in missouri growing mm. up like like at my dentist i went to in boulder every time you go there they give you a rose and they're the nicest fucking people on the planet a rose. my dental anxiety melted away because i was like oh i'm not getting bullied every time i go to the fucking dentist <laughs> like unbelievable and so it worked out that like you know i was job hunting i was in I started out actually in Kentucky with my dad for a while, and that's actually where I was when marriage equality passed. Oh, uh, yeah. In 2015. That's right, 2015, yeah. And, you know, oh I, my God. Yeah, and I had like a long-term girlfriend who was living in yeah. Missouri. It was bad, bad times. But because my knee didn't get better, I had to go to Cape Girardeau mm. for them to figure it out, the big city, and then they didn't figure it out. Anyways, then I got a job in Boulder, Colorado, and I moved over there and I got ACL reconstruction surgery from the best orthopedic surgeon in the world. Whoa. Uh, and they were just like in network at my new company. I was like, this is fucking great. Um, but yeah, rough times. So this uh, raises a really interesting point, and I hate to fully pivot away from the Let's Netmobile, pivot. but Let's we got pivot. to. We've, we've, we've been got on the to. Netmobile for a minute. Yeah, we've cracked that nut. Yeah. We gotta, we you're gotta right, go. you're right, you're right. So you do not live in Texas, but I you've don't. come to visit me so many times. Tons. I'm really curious to kind of pick your brain for your outsider's perspective on Austin, Texas. So what are three words that you as a non-resident would use to describe Austin? Okay. First word, hot. Mm, Second good. word, fun. Mm, Third okay. word, campy. Oh, hot, 
fun and campy. Yes. Now, you're not just describing me. <laughs> Honestly, I did just consider that. <laughs> uh, I'll take it. Yeah. I, th- I would say that's a win for you. But that's also, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been coming here once a year since 2015 to visit yeah. you. Sometimes, like, a couple times. Yeah. Um, it's so it. interesting, like, all of my friends that you are, like, so uh, enmeshed with. Because I remember you were in town during one of my birthday parties a few years ago. And you, like, showed up and then you, like, surprised me. I, like, knew you were in town, but I wasn't sure if you could make it to that party. So it was kind of, like, later into the party. And I was like, ah, right, like, right. oh, my God, it's so good to see you. Yeah. And then you saw Haley, Alia Erickson, and y'all had previously connected. And, like, y'all just, like, went into the backyard and just, like, caught up and had this, like, great moment for, like, an hour. Yeah. And I remember, like, y'all came in and just, like, beaming. You've clearly just, like complimented the fuck out of each other definitely and it was like man why didn't i follow you out there (laughs) (laughs) no that's so true yeah i was that was actually the last time um i was in austin also on a bachelorette party oh oh (laughs) oh, so this is your second this is my second bachelorette party in austin and also only the second bachelorette party of my life so Wow, both here. Yeah, both here. Interesting that Austin has your bachelorette. I guess uh, it's Austin's meeting a lot of my needs right now. Hell Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I have a great I've I've got, you know, a great perception of Austin. I, I really do have such a soft spot soft I really do have such a soft spot for it. Hell yeah, as you should. And I and I want you to. It's my hometown. Yeah. So uh let's talk about the four twenty of it all. So you live in a state where marijuana, weed, whatever you want to call it, is legalized. Right. I live in a state where it is like very improbable that Republican leadership is ever going to legalize it, despite mm-hmm. the obvious business opportunities that it presents. And fun opportunities. Oh, and fun. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it like to live somewhere where like mm. you can literally just like walk into a dispensary and like discover like THC bath salts and like go home and have this like really amazing pampered experience oh, in the yeah. comfort of your own home and you look at a state like Texas, which mm. is still punishing and imprisoning people for just like smoking a little weed. Unbelievable. It really is unbelievable to me. I want to add an element to the THC bath salts. Like I've done a THC bath salt bath and had a THC CBD infused root beer float. At the same time? At the same time. I've had an infused float in the bath while my body's floating in the bath like i'm sorry (laughs) i'm like freaking yeah it should be it's it's like just next level experience and i just it's something i completely i take for granted but at the same time like i realize how actually still unusual it it is because i was in phoenix for or no tucson arizona for a wedding recently and i went to a dispensary because it just got legalized there and i was like oh these choices are bad you know i was like I, I was looking actually for like a THC CBD topical salve and they didn't have anything. And I was like, I am so spoiled. I'm so spoiled in what I have. And it's, it's just unbelievable to me that people are still being put in prison for this. Like something that white men across the country are making billions of dollars on. It's like super mm-hmm. sick. And it's just so shocking to me because even like, I don't know if it's Oklahoma, but like one of a state like Oklahoma recently legalized and it's like, I do feel like we're going to get there yeah. in Texas. I, I, I think it'll y'all. happen. And uh, yeah, I really hope too. And I hope when they do, they expunge the records. Yeah. Of anyone who's yeah. been jailed with it. 
because it's bullshit at this point that like I can literally just like hop in a car, not even a plane and just like drive to another state and it's legal and yet yeah. it's still like a federal crime. Yeah. It doesn't add up. I think it's going to take the federal legalization for it to happen here. Yeah. That's my guess. And then I think Texas legislators will be able to be like, oh no, we tried, but we couldn't. And then all of fucking Greg Abbott's rich buddies are going to get into the cannabis business and make cash. If they aren't already. If they, you're damn right. It's, it's really unbelievable. But I'm, I'm just like, at the end of the day, like people should be able to like, smoke a little weed, have fun, do whatever you want. Like there's so many benefits to it. It's so much better for you than, than alcohol is like, it's just a relic of, you know, your, and it's like, this is gotta go. Yeah. It's, it's just wild to me. And I don't know, like I look at you living in Denver and like, obviously like Denver is like culturally a sister city of Austin, but there are like these big, huge, like systemic Mm. differences between the two because of the state leadership that we have. Not that like yours is perfect, but but we have an all blue like government right now. We have, we have Jared Polis, the first uh, openly gay governor. We've got a blue house and a blue Senate, everything like up and down. And, and yeah, like when I've just, I've seen what you've gone through in this state over the last well like forever really yeah but especially i would say in the last like four to six years under trump and then under leadership and like you know when you're working on the the beto campaign like i was so excited too i was like almost more engaged in that race than i was anything locally for me Uh, i mean better was electrifying yeah i felt really lucky to be a part of that campaign I mean, like, as a candidate, I thought he was very good, but it really wasn't about that. That's not, like, the main thing that I got out of that was the excitement. People Mm. here, it's like they have been waiting for someone strong enough, compelling enough. I don't know whatever, like, the psychological aspect of it is, but they wanted someone to lead the way for them to come out of the shadows and say, I am progressive and I'm not just a Democrat. Like I'm a leftist. I'm a communist, like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it was like amazing. It was like watching people come out uh, as who they really are. Mm. And that was fucking cool. And I just wish that more people in Texas would feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's a similar energy to Missouri, like where I grew up in Missouri, right? Where it's like everyone's assumed Republican, you know? Yeah, it's that blanket assumption of Republican and Christian. Yeah, and the expectation and the pressure, like the unknown pressure you swim in just by living here and just watching what has happened here at the hands of, of your government, like systemic failures over and over again that like I see over play out over. on your life and like the lives of your friends. And I'm just like, this is so fucked up. You know, it's super fucked. It's so fucked up. And it really, I, I don't know, like it, it's interesting launching queer town when I did the mm. podcast because the show suddenly became so different than what I was envisioning in my mind. Like How so? I was thinking that we would really be giving that, sort of like dinner table style conversation with queer people in Austin. Mm. Like the live show was very good about being a performance. And I was like, whatever the podcast is, I want the guests to inform that. I want it to be something that is like very guided by their experiences. But then it's like Abbott 
every single week is going after some headline grabbing thing right now that is just like robbing people of their rights. And that has really informed the show and yeah. it's really informed the cadence and the energy and what it is that we're talking about. Yeah. And suddenly it's like queer town is like shining like a, like a microscope on like an individual's life who's being impacted by hateful legislation. Mm-hmm. And it's, like on the one hand, like really fucked up that that's happening. But yes. on the other hand, it's kind of incredible that like you get to pull back this like mystery of who this activist or filmmaker or whoever it is that we have on the show. Yeah. And they get to be like, I'm a real fucking person. And like, I have boring days. I have interesting days. Yeah. But like this like hateful, bigoted law or ruling or even just like proposal is having this like intense impact on my life yeah and i don't know like sorry i'm just sort of rambling here but it like it blows my mind how quickly all of this is happening and how deeply personal it all is yeah it's really it's sickening to watch from afar yeah yeah i bet (laughs) well you're living it (laughs) i'm living it (laughs) you're living it you're in it baby yeah yeah it's just it's it is wild to see all of this happening, but also like you know as you've been talking about for years, like the changes that are happening mm-hmm. to this city. And like I remember on Twitter, like last year, you posted like a side by side, like side by side picture of the skyline of downtown Austin, and how like radically different it looked. But it's like since I've been coming here in my very short short time, things have changed a lot. You know, I can see it. I can feel it. I hear it from stories that you tell. And um, it's it's sad to see. It's really sad to see, you know, with like Elon Musk and like the Joe Rogan types and like even from a comedy specific lens, it's like, wow, it's really wild what's going on here. Yeah, I was very surprised when that happened. And then I looked at the bigger picture and was like, oh, like there's so much about the way that Texas is right now that is so attractive to the Joe Rogans of um, the world. And, and it's honestly amazing that you are, you mentioned the name that I've told no one to mention on this show. <laughs> yeah, well, fair. <laughs> and and it's, it's because I didn't want to talk about it. It's because yeah. everyone is talking about Joe Rogan here. Yeah. And like, I get it. Like he bought what was the Alamo Draft House really? on East 6, not East 6, but West 6 as the Ritz and they couldn't afford to hold on to it anymore. And Joe Rogan bought it and it's going to be a new comedy venue. And it's probably going to be really nice. Like you're probably going to see some amazing national headliners there, but Joe fucking Rogan. God. And and like, I get that there are people out there who like listen to his show. I don't think any of you who are listening Mm -hmm. to my show, (laughs) listen to his show. Zero percent crossover. It is just maddening to me the um interest in him yeah and and how people aren't looking at him or elon musk with as much of a critical perspective as i would wish that they would yeah yeah the the absolute negatives the drawbacks of both of them as people but also as the lies that they're spinning of like being a job creator in this town or whatever like all this stuff it's just like what they represent to a certain sect of cis white straight males or even not even straight ones. I'm sure there's like gay Joe Rogan pants. Anyways, don't come. No one come for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, 
of like that like freedom say what you want do anything well i'm like this do is anything and it's just like there's so much more interesting shit that we could be talking about comedically right like that shit to me is white noise that's white noise there's nothing interesting there yeah you know show me someone with something interesting to say not something hateful or something inflammatory punching down boring ass bullshit yeah you know ugh and there's so much there's so much good going on in the, the Austin comedy scene. It's oh, really it's amazing how uh, active it is. I mean, growing up here, I just didn't really associate comedy with Austin. And mm. I think that's one of the most surprising aspects about moving back here is that I've been able to grow at the same time the city's grown. Yeah. And it's like part of the reason why I'm still here and why I love being here is like, I get to do shit on like cool stages in front of really great audiences. Like what more could I ask for? No, truly. And there's so many fantastic collaborators here as well that I've seen. Oh yeah. It's just a built out. It's such a built out city in a way that like, I think a lot of people don't either know or give credit to. Yeah. And I constantly hear from people who like go to LA or New York that like the comedy in Austin is just as funny. Oh, and I'm sure yeah. you hear that with Denver too. Same. It's, for sure. It, it, I'm stumbling for words here, but it's really amazing when they're like, Oh, I just thought like SNL was like the pinnacle of comedy. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. You thought that this like live sketch comedy show that's been going for almost 50 years that is like very scrubbed they're pushing the boundaries no baby yeah it's like no like they're bringing on people who previously pushed the boundaries uh-huh. and then they're doing like little echoes of what they used to and yeah. i know it might be a controversial thing sure, to say sure. but i do think that diy comedy and just that like raw gritty like way of connecting with audiences has such a like i don't know like euphoria to it oh my gosh truly I mean, I mean, literally, I like, you have it. a show I called Dyktopia. Like, you are channeling that energy <laughs> verbatim with your own show. Absolutely. And, I mean, like, we are we get unhinged. And it's, like, the most alive I've ever felt on stage. How, how does that compare to how you feel alive off stage? Do you think, hmm. like, I'm sure there's a difference, but where do you feel most alive on stage or off? Oh, God, what a question. <sighs> It's neither like mm. it's one informs the other mm. and, it, and it reiterates, you know what I mean? Like when I have, when I'm crushing it on shows and I'm really on like that just spills over to my regular life. And I think in my regular life, when I'm seeing my friends, when I'm like cooking and making good foods and I'm like doing the things and spending the time, how I want to be spending it, then my comedy is also better. It's when I'm in those places of like, I'm burning the candle too much or like, I'm not taking care of myself or like, you know, you get down on yourself. Right. So like it's, it's both, but I mean, you know, if I had to pick, I think on stage, mm. actually, I mm-hmm. think about it, like the most electrifying I feel mm. is when things are just cruising, you know, and it's like laugh after laugh, after laugh, after laugh, like, you know, like I'm thinking of the last Dygtopia that we just had maybe last week. Truly, it was maybe our seventh show or something because we started last July. I gotta say, Lee, like <laughs> it is really awe-inspiring the attention that that show has deservedly received mm. since debuting. Yeah, I, I mean, you're more popular than my show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it took off. I mean, and I think we Denver is an underserved market for queer comedy. Like. 
there really there was maybe like a couple queer improv groups like one queer show but that was like strictly stand up at a at a gay bar there was nothing you know and I think we I had been doing stand up I had been doing improv since I started here in Austin oh, Texas that's right. we'll have to come back that's to right it. Mm-hmm. um but I had been doing improv and then I got into stand up you know four years ago uh, at this point and it has been like my from the depths of my soul like I want queer comedy like I want something whether I'm doing it or I'm participating in it like since I started it was a like a deep craving it yeah I I think the craving aspect of it because I remember when I was cast in Martini Ranch which was a queer sketch troupe that was a part of for four different hour-long reviews I think it was like three years four shows um that was really incredible Mm. because I was tasked with writing my own ideas down and pitching them and fighting for them and they all had to be queer they all had to be this like dreamy inclusive like dirty whatever I wanted to be like it it was like my idea and I was putting it out there and I really feel like that was the true birth of myself Mm. that process right there that's beautiful it it just felt like everything else in a way was built up to that I saw that for you and I I remember actually just deeply longing for that for myself too because I saw the amazing impacts it had on you like coming into your own in a way that like I always viewed you as like knowing who you were yeah you know you said earlier you're like I didn't know until I was 28 but like I've always looked at you as someone in my life who has always known who he is Mm. you know so just a little bit of perspective for you thank you and I remember being martini ranch martini ranch like that's such a cool name that's such a cool opportunity and like all queer people like you know I didn't have many queer friends in my life in Denver at that point and like I just remember like I had a longing for that and I was like that's what I want you know but there wasn't there wasn't anything going on in Denver for that I I will say I think you are somewhat underselling yourself I I think it is true that there might not have been that much going on but I also think that you have figured out as an individual how to not just package up, but expand upon this like identity within comedy that like nationwide is not being met. Yeah. Right. Like you figure like there are only a handful of, you know, queer female and non-binary comedians who are bringing that dyke energy uh, into dyke things. energy. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. I, I think that's so fucking cool that you were doing that and like that is like a hallmark of your show i'm not trust me i'm not underselling myself like i think everything that's happened and that i've made happen in the last few years is like it's only because of that time where i was Mm -hmm. fucking three open mics a night night after night like literally on a grind i would work in boulder i would draw i would do an open mic in boulder i would drive north to fort collins do a mic and then drive down or something. I can't remember. Like I would just do a loop and do mics in Denver. Like Mm. there was so much work and I never, I saw a couple people who looked like me and that I could relate to. There was a gay man who was very mean to me and that was unfortunate. Um, But he was a sad, he was a sad, sad person. And it was the grinding that literally I think laid the, the groundwork for everything that happened in my comedy career last year. I, I really think, as hard as it is to say and as hard as it is to experience like 
I don't think people should just show up and launch a show within comedy. I really feel like there is something to be said for being on other people's shows for like understanding how audiences engage with things because I did four reviews with Martini Ranch Mm -hmm. and I really felt like I was always dynamic as a performer, but I don't know if I was always memorable. Interesting. And it felt like it was the second show where I started to figure out how to like modify my body on Mm. stage. And I'm not talking with like makeup or things. It's literally like when you walk out on stage, you can behave a thousand different ways Mm. and get like a thousand different responses. And it was like, oh, if I like play sillier, if I play stupid, if I like do this thing, but it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm playing silly. It's like, no, like I can play silly and do it in a more grounded way. Mm. And I think that was what led me to start writing more narrative stuff, which led me to like, you know, the play that I wrote with Franny in 2018. And it like, I don't know, it was like sketch was this great avenue in, but I'm also so grateful for the fact that like, it wasn't my show. I was a part of an ensemble. And you got to like get those reps in and gain that experience yep. and then figure out like, what do you want to do for you? Yeah. And was Queer Town born out of that, out of Martini Ranch? Like how yeah. did that kind of go? So Laura and Javi had done just like a jam, uh, I think in 2016. And then Cold Town reached out to me and they're like, hey, do you want to put on the next Queer Town? And I was like, yes, absolutely. But I want it to be a show. And that was like really specific to that first show that we had, which was Queer Town Extravaganza, which ended up happening in October 2017. So coming up on five years, which is a little wild. Wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, I wanted to put together a community party. I wanted to put together a show. And I also wanted to put together a space where people could connect afterwards. And I really feel like those are three things, like whether you knew it or not, that are like also essential to Dagtopia. Oh, so true. I And I remember looking at those, the promo you did for Queer Town when it was first coming out. I remember being like, BYOB, how cool. Like, that's so sexy, <laughs> you know? And I really did admire like what you're doing. And I did eventually get to see one of the shows and I was just blown away. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. It, yeah, I think the naughtiness of some of those yeah. first shows, like, it helped, I don't know, like, justify, like, all of the growing pains, which I've also experienced, I've got to be honest, with the podcast. Yeah. Like, I think every episode that we've released has been really quality, and I take a lot of pride in them, and I'm sure you've experienced this with your show. Yeah. It's also, like, a new fucking technological medium for me. Yeah, a whole and, new thing to learn. And, and it's like, yeah, I have to figure out, like, what my voice sounds like, how I can continue talking in the same direction because I'm very good at moving my face around. Yep. It, it is so interesting, but that's, it, it's exciting. You know, it's like we learn new things, we learn new skills, we grow in new ways and new directions. And like, you know, Dictopia has only been around uh, not even a year, but we started the podcast in like January. And honestly, like before I was like, I was like, this is something I think we need to do if we want to take the show on tour, you know, reach new people, like, let's mm-hmm. do it. But I was kind of like, eh. But, like, I got to say, I love it. I love podcasting. It's oh, it's fun so as fun. Shit. Like, you yeah. just get to talk with your friends. And 
Yeah. And like with this show, I get to bring on cool ass people like you or other friends of mine or even people that I'm not friends with. And I get to have these amazing conversations with them. And I think the thing that I'm most appreciative of with the podcast is the people who have challenged my own Mm. assumptions and relationship with Austin. Because like everyone has a different experience here Mm. and that's been so just like real with what they've brought to the mic and what they've talked about and their relationship with it. And I don't know, I feel much more hopeful and I don't know, like uh, there's a bittersweetness to the change in Austin because Mm. a lot of it feels very jarring. It's happening Mm. so quickly there's an intensity to it, mm. but there's also the people that it's brought here. Some of whom mm. have already guested on this show, and I don't know. It's it's genuinely amazing to yeah. be like, yeah, like this funky little city that I grew up in is like now the home of these like very interesting dynamic people mm. who are making the world a better place. Yeah, that's beautiful. It really and is. And exciting. So it makes exciting. Me, it makes me feel excited about the future of Boston. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, so I would like to pivot a little bit here. Let's pivot. We talked about this before the show, but are you still up for it? Yes. I want to do silly questions. Let's do silly questions. I'm kind of thirsty. So while you're in the bathroom, I hopped on Grinder. And I need to uh, share this exchange that just happened. Let's see here. So someone messaged me. Hey there, how's it going? And I responded, hey, I'm all right. How are you? Which is like kind of vanilla and boring, to be honest with you. I believe you're admitting that on air. (laughs) I have to. Mm -hmm. Um, So (laughs) this person responds, pretty good at work. Almost done here. So seeing what trouble I can get into or what cock I can get into my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love the forward nature of that. Yeah. Uh, This person's profile name is Eyeballs. So looking Mm -hmm. for LMT. I'm assuming that means licensed massage therapist. Really? Is that what that means? I don't know. What else could it mean? (laughs) I'm going to lick my taint. (laughs) Lick my tits. (laughs) I feel like lick my taint is what that means. Let me see. LMT. <laughs> you think they're looking for a licensed massage therapist? I do. A lot of people are on Grinder looking for massages. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Oh, evidently, that. LMT is the stock market thing for Lockheed Martin. <laughs> wait, so the. Oh, my God. Wait, so this <laughs> no person's way. looking. No way. But that would be hysterical. Okay, that, would be, that would be hilarious. Okay, so we are now. Hey, Oscar, are we, we hear you. Yep, you're there. Um, okay, so we're now going to pivot into something. Oh, also Emmy. Wow. Okay. Your cats are really causing a fuss. Like, I need more I need more attention. Yeah, they're not interested in this next no, segment. Apparently not, even though this is going to be the best segment of all. Yeah, we saved it for last. Uh-huh. So this is something we've never done on the show before, but since you are my best friend, I'm happy to kick this off with you, and okay. we'll just see how it goes. Okay. So I'm calling this Seven Minutes in Heaven, mm-hmm. and basically I'm going to start a counter And then over the next seven minutes, we are going to ask each other as many silly questions as possible. And we only have the opportunity to not answer one of them. One time. One time. And as soon as we do that, we have to answer the rest. Okay. I agree. I consent. 
great. I consent as well. So with that in mind, I'm going to start our timer. Okay. And then... Oh, <laughs> Emmy. <laughs> uh, juicy drama. Drama in the house. Okay, cats, can we do this? Meow. I held Oscar up to the mic, but... It didn't really work. Yeah, he was not into it. Okay, okay. start our timer, and I'll, start, I'll kick us off with the first question. Okay, great. Our seven minutes in heaven kicks off now. Okay, Mary Fuck Kill, Sandra Bullock... Hillary Clinton and Ina Garden. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that's easy. Mm. I <laughs> kill Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah. I fuck Ina Garten and I marry Sandra Bullock. What? You wouldn't marry Ina Garden? I think Ina Garten would be great in bed. Yeah, and then you get to keep her and her cooking and wine <laughs> skills for the rest of your life. I Sandra Bullock. Bleh. Sandra Bullock is so hot. Pillow princess, hot but pillow princess. I don't know. I feel like I would like. Go to like Soul Cycle with her. Yeah, I would like become a new person. Okay, that entirely. is super fair. Valid, valid answer to the question. Okay, <laughs> Hillary Clinton, you dead, babe. <laughs> <laughs> there is no way. Yeah. Uh, okay, I have a question for you. Okay. Okay. Uh, you have to go into a fourth dimension okay. with one of my cats. Okay. Which do you take with you? Emmy. Oh. Emmy for sure. Emmy would like keep me safe and comforted. Oscar would be an agent of chaos. <laughs> Oscar would abandon you. Oscar would leave me alone. Oscar would open up a fifth dimension, go there by himself <laughs> and leave me alone. So Emmy, one million percent. Yeah. Emmy is so needy that she would never abandon you. No. And uh, thanks to my attachment style and my attachment wounds, <laughs> I need that. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Um, okay. Who is the hottest person you've ever made out with? Oh, Uh, okay, the hottest person I've ever made out with. Wow, I'm. This might be the question I pass. Oh, no, it's <laughs> early. It's, you don't it's know. too early. I don't know what's coming. You don't know what's coming. Know what's coming. Uh, okay, are we talking uh, like physical attractiveness or like the makeout itself? It could be what, however you interpret this. Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Juicy. Uh, I had, I mean, I've had a lot of great makeouts. Yeah. So it's kind of hard Brag. to pick just one. Okay, but <laughs> I'm objectively okay, asking here. you to pick one. Uh, probably our friend Cat Seal. Mm. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. That feels like a cop out to me. It kind of is. It's a cop out. I don't think I can pick this right now. We might have to circle back to it. Okay, so this might be your pass. Cat, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about you last night, and you're literally the hottest person we know, uh, objectively. Cat is very hot. Okay. Okay. Next question. So, <laughs> what's the worst idea you've ever had? Oh, my God. Damn it. <laughs> worst idea I've ever had? Um, uh, fuck. Oh, well, uh, well shit. I was about to say some things, and then I was like, oh, this is like going out to people. This is like literally being delivered to this people's is ears. This is a show. This is a show people might listen to. Um, worst idea I've ever had, not being gay. <laughs> I did it for That's way real. did it for way too long. If I could be gayer, more, more gay, way sooner in my life, I would cut off lots of parts of my body. Well, okay. Wow, that, that was... That was a statement right there. Yeah, that was a little unhinged. Sorry for <laughs> that. Um, no, I just can't believe there was a time in my life I was ever straight. 
So that was the worst idea I ever had. Thank you, society. You did come out a little later. But you know what's interesting? Not really. Mm-mm. Compared I mean, to me. gay men. Yeah. I mean, but it's also like how um, like queer women are socialized in society and how women in general are socialized in society. Absolutely. Right. Of just being like, your life is literally only for men. And, you know. And you're part of a sorority. I was unfortunately a part of a sorority. Like, but then like when you, when I look back, I'm like, what could be gayer than 300 women obsessed with me? Like, that's so gay. <laughs> Nothing. But like, you know, it's like, go find a man. Like, this is like very <laughs> Southeast Missouri vibes. Um, but uh, yeah. And I also like had really close platonic female friendships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I look back as we all do, it's like, oh, that was so gay. So okay. I feel like, I feel like it's interesting. People look at me and they see me as like this really like seasoned queer who's been out for so long because so many people do come out later in life. Yeah. Um, but like, what is like, I feel like the phrase later in life, boo kind of sucks. Yeah. It's like a very like prescriptive phrase. Yeah. It's judgmental. It, it almost like it. And I'm sure I, I said that, you yeah. know, it sort of like zaps the fun out of it. Totally. I think for me, though, like I had come out maybe five or six years before you. uh And so like you coming out to me senior year of college sort of felt to me like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was very surprising to me because you came out while Lady Gaga's song was playing in the background from Art Pop. How is that surprising? It's really actually perfect. (laughs) It it was perfect. And I'm like crying. I'm like, okay. Like I literally, but I, you had to think about this. I literally knew like four four gay people. Yeah. Barely. I had just met like my first other queer person like a year before. Like I had no, I had no models and I know like we definitely didn't have showtime for a little L word action. I mean, I will say that I knew a lot of like older gay men growing up. Really? But my high school didn't have a lot of out people. Yeah. And there's obviously a lot of people who have like come out since graduating, yeah. but I felt like an island to myself. Mm. And it wasn't until I was at Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Like, as interesting as that is to say yeah. that the University of Missouri's LGBTQ Resource Center yeah. allowed me to fucking find community. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, like, so interesting that, like, that was the place that happened. Seriously. Okay, we're doing okay, terrible with the seven minutes bad. in heaven. We literally have 53 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is a queer artist everybody loves but you hate? Oh, um... Neil Patrick Harris. <gasps> no, that's what's your number? Like, what are your top two reasons for that? Uh, I just feel like Neil Patrick Harris is like not that great of a performer. Okay. And I don't know. Like, I also hate How I Met Your Mother. I just don't uh, think it's that interesting of a show. Okay. And it's like he played this like smarmy straight guy. <laughs> and I know that he's like since pivoted and done queer roles. But yeah. um, I don't know. It's like I just I just don't vibe with him, which is fine. Not a fan. <laughs> Not a fan. Not a fan. Okay. I have a question <laughs> for you. Okay. Uh, Mary Fuck Kill, Tila Tequila, Julian <laughs> Michaels, Tommy Laren. <laughs> um, kill... All of them except for Jillian Michaels. <laughs> Easy. Kill all of them. <laughs> so kill Tila Tequila. Oh my God. <laughs> kill Tila Tequila. Kill Tommy Laren. I guess I'd. If I fuck it, to, what's her name? Am I free to date again? <laughs> or is it like Jillian Michaels or no one? 
<laughs> or is it like when you say fuck, it's like, could I fuck as much as I wanted, but like then I didn't have to marry her? <laughs> like, are there other people in the world, that in is, this world I live in? That is a fascinating clarifier. <laughs> Just asking. And like, what counts as fucking? Like, well, there's a lot of things. There's a, there's a lot of things. I don't think I've ever historically like been that generous with this interpretation. As okay. far as like that particular question, mm. it's always been like, oh, I'm talking about penetrative, but no, we could be talking about so many other things. <laughs> penetrative. <laughs> Literally, it was like, what is that? yeah, that's what I was thinking of with every like fuck, marry, kill scenario. Oh, that's fascinating. I guess, well, it makes sense. Like we would think about like our types of sex. I mean, I have penetrative sex, but like. Well, yeah, it was always like, who do I want to bottom for? Or who do I want to top for? Whoa. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, like we'd be like making out and see what feels right in the moment. Yeah, yeah, and explore yeah. this, a little bit of that. It could be a little, it could be a little, little bit of everything. You know? I, I think because generally it's like it feels like uh, like gun to your head answer. Like you need to like oh, just yeah. like throw this out there. Wow, have some consent, Mary Fuck yeah. Kill players. Yeah. <laughs> check in before. Yeah, be dynamic. Adding all this pressure. Okay, I think we should each ask each other one more question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we're maybe, past our seven minutes. Maybe it's like seven minutes in heaven, but after we've edited this down to seven <laughs> minutes. Because, you know, of course we're going to go off. Of course we're going to go off. Okay. Um, what is one memory from me from college that you remember really vividly, but we don't really talk about? Definitely when you wore the Winnie the Pooh outfit <laughs> to the sorority formal that you invited me yes. to. And it's funny because what is memorable about that is that I browned out and literally came to on the dance floor of Soko and oh I had God. no memory of how we got there. And you were dressed as? Christopher Robin. Yes. Yeah, and I like go into the bathroom and there's this like older mid-Missouri man <gasps> in the bathroom and he goes, you know, Christopher Robin was my favorite character growing up. <laughs> and I'm like, sir, I'm having a very like weird out-of-body experience. I don't, know I don't remember story. leaving the last bar oh, and coming no. here. And this is before you'd come out to me. And so I think I had like like somewhat recently placed this like like uh, like boundary where it was like, I'm not going to SoCo. I'm just like constantly at SoCo. I just oh. feel like a little like like I drink a little bit too much there. I just feel like a little too like uninhibited in mm. a way that's not empowering. Yeah. So it's sort of the, desperate. Soko was the gay bar in town. Yeah. It stood for South Columbia and then it moved to downtown Columbia and they still just called themselves Soko. Doko mm, doesn't really sound great. So no. yeah, Doko is not so good, <laughs> but yeah, I like, you were the one who brought us there. Yeah. And I think like you were like drunk and you're like, yeah, I want to like check out some hot. I go to the gay bar. Oh my yeah. God, I was so terrified. <laughs> As was Winnie the so, Pooh. <laughs> yeah, I was so terrified. Literally every time I was at that bar, I was literally like, ah. Um, you also had people. like a really amazing sort of like journey that we both got to witness senior year. You witnessed. And because like you started dating Allison in March and yeah. that's when, so Allison was a sophomore when we were seniors, seniors. Yeah. and I was also like hooking up with a sophomore, but it was oh, right, right, not right, right. something that oh, ever yeah. became a real relationship. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and it was so funny when you were like with your former partner as long as you were. And then yeah. it was like, oh yeah, like that guy's still out there. I don't know what he's don't doing know though. What's going on, yeah. <laughs> While and I like came out while I was in a sorority, it was like the talk of the town. And I just look back and I'm like, what was my, 
this is such an odd moment in time, but I'm like, I'm very grateful for you for being there. Cause like, Hell yeah. I don't think I would have come out or been able to come mm. out if for, not for our relationship. Oh, I mean, Lee, like it was amazing. Like soulmates in this like very specific way of like, I like fucking see you. Like mm-hmm. you yeah. showed up to this cookie party that I threw <laughs> yeah. and you were like, so fun to be around and i don't think we would really had like one-on-one moments and you're like what are you doing tonight because that was the night it was that same day of the cookie party that you invited me (laughs) to dress up oh my god that's absolutely (laughs) unhinged it's the most us thing though that's so us yeah yeah for for like me to be throwing a day party and you to be like want to keep this going and and i already have a pre-picked out outfit for you to wear (laughs) yeah it was a good time it was a really and then like i remember like when the night i came out to you i was wearing um, we had gone to a Christmas themed party. And we were wearing reindeer we were wearing antlers. Reindeer antlers <laughs> drinking this drink out of this pineapple at this sushi bar in the middle of Missouri. And we had an amazing night. And I remember meeting so many people. And then like, yeah, we're in this like amazing sunroom, like at the end of the night. And yeah, I'm like, I think we went to a comedy party. Yeah. 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 And I was like just crying on this wood floor while Lady Gaga plays, telling you, like, I like women. And like it was so terrifying for me at that time from where I'd come mm, from yeah, and you know, my upbringing and everything. And I like, my life has gotten so much better since like leaps and bounds, like, and it's just like before I came out and like after, and like, you were such a big part of that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I feel like you have been such a big part of me amidst all of the uncertainties of early adulthood, yeah. feeling seen yeah. and understood um, but yeah, you never endorsed my queer identity. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't co-sign it? No, uh, you absolutely did time and time again. And, and I feel like you have been, I mean, we both had so many updates since then oh as far God. as like identity and yeah. like labels and, and it's really incredible how open we get to be with one another. It's mm. such a gift yeah. to have evolved sometimes in very similar ways yeah. and other times in very different ways mm. and to still be like, yeah, like I can have a conversation with you and I can open up to you about whatever mm. and know that like, you're going to be there for me. Hell yeah. And like, it's beautiful. Oh my God. Oscar. Oscar. <laughs> We're having a moment. Oscar. We're having a moment. It. It's so true though. Like I feel like to witness you and have you witness me growing up through queer adulthood like it's really special it's so special and to just yeah we carry so many things in common with comedy with queer comedy with our goals with our ambitions how we approach life we're just such a match in that way and i just feel so grateful because i feel you know you don't get a lot of opportunities like this to grow with someone no throughout life no yeah i just feel like constantly supported and like you open me up to new opportunities and new ideas and new ways of thinking of like yes i could do that i could go there mace did it or mace is thinking about doing it so i could fucking do it oh and that's sick it's so sick i mean i constantly think about our friendship as being like the friendship that's in those movies 
Oh my god. Oftentimes yeah. it's two women where it's like <laughs> they're like friends for like 50 years. And oh it's my like god. The we're highs and the lows. Yeah, literally <laughs> like we're going to be in rocking chairs by the sea and big sur with <laughs> like little quilts over us and like double pours of a Malbec yes. and just talking shit. Oh, absolutely. Like, give me I'm literally <laughs> thinking of like big little eyes, but like we have that deck because we've been producing movies for years. Oh I'm sorry, God. Oscar is Get eating styrofoam. Take- Get out of our takeout. We, we're we going to be eating that in one minute if we could somehow figure out how to stop talking to each other on the podcast. <laughs> okay, maybe this is our sign to wrap it up. Yeah. As Oscar. much as I love loving you, my cat, <laughs> who I also love uh, sometimes, uh, but not right now. Not right uh, now. He's, yeah, he ate part of a chocolate chip cookie earlier, y'all, and Emmy's eating a cord. <laughs> Oscar! This has been a blast, Mace. Thank you for having me to Queer Thank Town. Thank you for coming to Queer Town. And um, yeah, I and everyone here in the town is wishing you all the best. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are so welcome. Great. Uh, we'll see y'all next time. <laughs> bye. Actually, we'll hear you. You'll hear us. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Well, that's all, folks. As always, I'm Mace Kerwick, and thank you so much for visiting us here in Queer Town. This episode was edited by Drewski Hewlett and associate produced by Kristen Washington. I'd like to give a big shout out to everybody who's commented, who's subscribed, who's shared this podcast with their friends and family, because we absolutely love getting to sit down with the movers and shakers of Austin's queer community and are so grateful for the opportunity to continue doing so. Y'all come back now, you hear?